Lord, we want to come to you as we open your word. We want to welcome you to speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. I am really excited about today's uh, message. I have been uh, meditating this for a while. The leaders got together at our leaders' retreat, meditated on this some more. And uh, I just want to... Uh, want us to think about we are, as a body here, called and spirit-empowered to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. We, this is our year for healing community. But there are some threats to both of those things, and we want to talk about that. But in, the, in Acts, and we want to see it here, despite serious threats, external threats, internal threats, the Spirit empowers the church community then and now to seek God's kingdom and justice in evangelism, economics, and ethnic diversity. And we've been looking at that as a, as a bigger picture. And remember, there were external threats, but then there were some internal threats. Satan was not happy. The powers in general were not happy. The world, the flesh, and the devil were not happy that the Spirit of God was empowering the church to bring the kingdom of God and exalt Jesus. So Satan did everything he could. First, external threats of various kinds we've talked about. And then internal threats. We talked about um, pride and shame and, and uh, uh, deception last week. Um, but I want to talk today about discontent and discrimination and disparity and division and distraction. Of course, that only happened back then. We haven't had any of these kind of threats in our day. Outside or inside the church. Have we? I've noticed, <laughs> where have I been? <laughs> yeah, I've been noticing that there are a lot of threats. And those external threats have moved into the church. And there's a lot of discontent. And there's a lot of discrimination and disparity. And we've noticed more. George Floyd's murder just brought up what was there already in discrimination and disparity, but a lot of other kinds. There is division around everything. Not usually actually matters of great doctrine, usually other stuff, right? Division. And when there's all of that going on, there's distraction from what we're supposed to be focusing on. Distraction from what you are supposed to be doing to bring God's kingdom. We can get, I can get distracted in these days. And tell you what, there's a lot of people trying to distract you. There's a lot of social media trying to pull your attention. Everybody's got an opinion about what you should focus on, care about, think about. And then there's that, um, actually Arthur Brooks in a book called Love Your Neighbor says, there's actually a, a thing called contempt, a feeling that's anger plus, plus disgust that he says actually gives you a dopamine hit. And we get addicted to anger plus disgust, contempt. And then we need to watch a little more cable news. We need to talk to somebody else about how bad those people are. We need to, and, and like any addiction, we need more and more and more, and we just get more and more unhappy. So truth is discontent, division, distraction are just festering in our day. But it's not the first time. It's not the first time, folks. I remember something about grumbling back in the Old Testament. There were some other things that happened in the New Testament as well. So, 
But this is such a powerful text we're looking at today because the Spirit turns division, division into multiplied ministry. How can the Holy Spirit do that? How could the Holy Spirit do that now? Is that possible? Well, let's see how he did it. Um, I want to remind you of the context. This was the great stuff. You know, we're like, oh, let's be like the early church. Look at this. After this prayer, the prayer was because they had been beaten up, all this external threat that those powers were bringing against the church. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They prayed for boldness. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that they, what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully, powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy among them because those who owned lands or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Wow, that sounds so great, doesn't it? And it was great. And I want you to notice how the word of God and meeting people's needs was together an outflow of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it was all happening. It goes back and forth in this text. Because it was all happening because of what God was doing in this church. But then we saw last time with Ananias and Sapphira, there were some problems. Now, here's where things come in, the how. We're all like, oh, yeah, that'd be great to have no needy among us. How are we going to do that? Well, let's do this. We go, no, 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 I don't think that word. Let's do this. And pretty soon, our how, or how are we going to preach the word of God? Well, I think we should do it. The how we do it, which is, of course, the, the crux of it, we get to disagreeing about how it should be done or disagreeing about how it's been. We say, don't listen to that. Some people aren't getting what they should. And now the discontent and the division and the distraction start to enter in because we disagree about how we could get it done or how it's actually being done. Following me? So, Acts 6, where we are. Um, now, I skipped the end of Acts 5 because it's about something we talked about at the end of Acts 4. And it, Pastor Andrew is going to talk about it coming up here, and, uh, which was the... Anyway, we'll, we'll get there. So, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Now, you're thinking, this church is growing. There's no things are happening. How could there be discontent? Well, turns out they're no different than us. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So, um, we've got to get a little background here because we're not in this text. Now, the people that Luke wrote this book to knew exactly. Well, they were like, oh, the Hellenists and the Hebrews. Ooh, we know about them. We know how they don't like each other. A little background. So, Alexander the Great came in and conquered the, the Holy Land, all right? And he was so, he had this great idea of the Hellenists. The Greek Empire was so great. They were so proud of what they had that they imposed that on the people that they, you need to speak Greek. You need to get our great education. You need to get our great way of running government. You need to do things our way because it's the best. So the Hebrews responded to that in different ways. There was a lot of pressure. And some people were like, man, they're building a gymnasium in Jerusalem. And there's people exercising there, but they're exercising naked. That's not right. And, and there's, there was all this uh, well, Greek philosophy. That's, that's not. Most, other people were like, 
No, I mean, Greek philosophy and Plato, they can kind of go together, and they're, they're kind of, Plato and Moses sort of knew each other maybe, and, they, they, and so there was all these different ways. So, and then there got to be parties. So the, the Sadducees were really accommodators. They were like, yeah, 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 you know, this, is, this Greek stuff's pretty good. The Pharisees were like, no, no, we're going to be holy, we're going to be separate. The Essenes were like, we're out of here, we're just going to exit. They went off in the, in the wilderness and had a community and, and focused on things. But there were all different ways of economy. You know, they translated the Bible into Greek, the Septuagint, which was a big... So there were all these different responses, but a lot of people had a lot of arguments about how they should do this. How much Greek culture could you take and not become no longer a follower of Jesus? And people disagreed. Anybody ever have any disagreements about how things should happen in our culture, about which things we should accept, which new things we should be progressive into, and which things we should be conservative about, and which things we should... Any, any that ever happen around here? Yeah. And anybody notice any differences when people speak different languages? Now, we don't have that much of that difficulty here. We have some. Mostly, why don't they learn English? Like, everybody should. That's exactly what the Greeks said. Why doesn't everybody learn Greek? We got this great empire. It should be that way. Now, if you're in other countries, I mean, in Kenya, it was the Kikuyus versus the Luos versus the Kalenjin, and there was a lot of stuff in politics. And people who spoke different languages and also had different cultures and definitely argued about what the discrimination was that was going on between them. Now, we don't have any discrimination here, though, right? We're way better than other places. Right? We'd never discriminate against people who spoke a different language, right? Or people who had a different culture somehow, right? You've never experienced it yourself that somebody would discriminate against you because of the language you speak, the culture you have, the color of your skin. That's never happened here, has it? Certainly not within the church. Out there, that all, all those people out there are so bad, that could happen. But never in any church. Maybe just wash that off as soon as we walk in this building, right? So they had some difficulties, but difference is not a threat. Difference is great. It's an opportunity, but it can have problems. Paul said we're all members of the body. One's a hand, one's a foot, and we're all connected to the head. But then he went on and said, so the hand shouldn't say to the foot, I don't need you. So it can be that because we're different, we forget that Man, my hand's not going to be able to do anything unless it, my foot takes me to where it's supposed to happen. And the foot can say, you know, I'm not as good at washing the dishes as the hands are. So we need each other. Difference is a blessing. And I am so glad for this church and all the difference and all the differences of opinion and background and language and culture that we have here. Very excited about it. But that doesn't mean that it never causes any discontent. That there might not be some disparity between power or, or money or things that people have and don't have. Because the world out there and all that also is, is here. And even in here. Isn't that right? So, so they said their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution. The diakonia is the Greek word. Of food. They were, they were serving food, or maybe it was money, but they were serving people's needs. But these people were not getting as much as those people. Now, everybody had needs, 
But some of them felt like they were not getting as much. And, and they were like, yo, well, you know, all the leaders, they're from Galilee. Those apostles are kind of these Hebrew-speaking people. But us Greek-speaking people, us people who came from the diaspora in here, from the, extent, you know, the other places or who are more into that, they don't like us as much. They don't care. They don't notice us. Other translations say they were overlooked. Have you ever felt overlooked? It can happen that people get overlooked. Maybe they weren't intentionally discriminated against, but they were overlooked and discriminated against and hungrier than the other people. And that made them discontent. Now, when they were discontent, what did they do? Well, apparently they talked to each other. And, and again, this has happened before. So, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. So they listened and discussed between all. The apostles didn't say, oh, what's wrong with those people? We're giving them food every day. They didn't get defensive. Notice that? Also, somebody went to the apostles, and they didn't just say, oh, you know, there's some people who are kind of discontent, and they're kind of grumbling about stuff. They were specific. And they said, hey, the Greek-speaking believers are not getting as much food. And they, they went to the leaders and they said specifically what the issues were and who the people were that needed more help and who were feeling discriminated against. Follow me? Okay. And they listened. The 12 did not defend themselves or defend their people, or just talk among themselves about those people. Well, what are the, what's wrong with those Greek-speaking people? We know what's wrong. They're, they're accommodators. They're, no, no, no. They called a meeting of all the believers, and they had a discussion among them all, and they listened, and they, and they came up with a solution. So deconstructing is great, but often it's just destructing. We need to have deep construction that goes to the roots of issues, and says, let's build something. So they all got together and they said, let's build it better. Okay? We've got great ideals in our church and in our culture that come from Scripture. It doesn't always work out so well. So we can just be de discontent and deconstruct and destroy, but we can also get together. And here's one of the things that is difficult about our particular situation at the moment, which is discontent. And I hear from people discontent, and, and I especially like it if you tell me directly you're discontent and not somebody said that maybe, then I don't know what, right? Tell me directly or tell me this person so I can go talk to that person. But if you tell me directly, then we can talk about it, right? What would be even better is if we could get in the same room and say, you know, I think this. And somebody else could say, well, I think that. And we could have an, a discussion, not a debate. Because honestly, people get kind of upset about some things that I don't think matter as much as we get upset about. It's just a vaccine. It's not the end of the world. It's not the salvation of the world. It's just another vaccine. Maybe it's great, maybe it's bad. We don't really know. We're trying it out. But wouldn't it be great if we could get in the room together 
and talk to the people who disagree with us and say, well, I think this and I noticed that without like, but I, but you know, raising our voice, it's hard to do. I know. Instead, we get in our chat rooms and talk about those people. And it's not just that, right? It's all kinds of other things. How should we respond to discrimination? How should we respond to the government? How should we respond to, to poverty? How should we? Let's get together, if we can, and talk about it to each other, not about each other. And listen and say, oh, you're, and not be defensive, but say, okay, tell me clearly what your issue is so I can try to clearly help you or serve you or listen to you. They listen to each other, not defensively. And then they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. Notice the same word diakonia is used there, that's the Greek word, um, which is about service or ministry. We shouldn't be doing a serving table. Okay? So, and so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. Here's the qualifications. They need to be good people of well-respected full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, even just to run a food program. I don't like that word just, okay? But that's the attitude we can have, so, okay? And we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. And there's the word diakonia again. I want to put that in there because every member is a minister here. Some people have a diakonia of the Word, some people have diakonia of the prayer. Some people have diakonia of food programs. Some people have diakonia. We have every member as a minister. Every member has a way to serve within this body and out to our community. And it isn't that one is better than the other. It's not that the word of God and prayer is better. It's that the apostles had that assignment. They had been with Jesus. They could share the word of God and prayer in a way that other people couldn't. So they needed to focus on that. Are you glad the apostles focused on that? So that we got what Jesus said? But I'm also glad that somebody else focused on feeding the people who were hungry. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So notice they had focus and not distraction from their service. Honestly, it can be distracting. As a pastor, I can get distracted from the things that I'm supposed to focus on. I just, we just had our performance reviews trying to figure out what we're supposed to focus on. Am I supposed to focus on the Word of God and prayer? Am I supposed to be a CEO? Am I supposed to supervise people? Am I supposed to... There's all these expectations of one person as the lead pastor. Notice they had 12. And then they made a group of seven. They didn't say like, Peter, you're supposed to do it all. Right? It was always a group. We have elders here, ministry coordinators, we'll talk about that. But I want you to notice that they were supposed to focus on their calling. Every member is a minister. Every member is gifted by the Holy Spirit. Every one of you has a ministry that we need, that the world needs. 
And we, so sometimes it can be people saying, well, why doesn't he do more? And sometimes it could be me or other leaders saying, I got to do it all. I got sometimes it's my fault for trying to cover too much, being over-responsible. Sometimes it's your fault for being under-responsible. Sometimes some of you are over-responsible too. I'm not, no. We, you only have so much to do, but, a, and you know who those widows are. We don't know those widows very well. We just got 5,000 people around here. We, we don't know everybody. But you know who they are. Could you take care of that? And pray for us as leaders, because we sometimes feel like we need to make sure things go right, and we can be controlling too much and not giving away as much as we should. But God intended for each of us to be doing some ministry. So these seven were presented to the apostles. The apostles didn't pick them. The apostles gave the qualifications. The people picked them. They picked all Greek speakers. They were presented to the apostles. The apostles prayed for them because they needed the Holy Spirit for this job. Obviously, it was not an easy job. As they laid their hands on them, now it's not clear if it was just the apostles or the whole community that laid their hands on them, but they anointed them, blessed them, empowered them, gave them authority and said, go do it. Here's the money. And they did it. And what was the result? So God's message, or in Greek, the word of God, continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Isn't that amazing? People's needs were met, both for the word of God and meeting God and for meeting God in eating and food distribution. I want to see that happen. And let's be honest, it's happening. But we could do it better. I'd love to see it done better. So the Word of God is mentioned several times in this text. Um, but Notice that because they didn't get distracted from the Word of God, but they did make sure that the, the needs were met, that the Word of God spread. So here's something that can sometimes happen. We can say, well, the Word of God is more important. So let's not get distracted with people's physical needs. They didn't say that. They didn't say, well, we have to focus on the Word of God, so I don't know, take care of that. Just don't distract us with people who are hungry. They didn't say, oh, people are hungry. We can't, you know, empty stomachs have no ears. We just have to feed people. Then eventually they might listen to the word of God. They did it both. Because God cares about your stomach and your body and your spirit and your need for hope and all of that. And he wants us to be a body where we love each other in all of those ways. And he has gifted different ones of us for different reasons and different purposes, and you're doing it here and out there, and it's beautiful. And I'd love to see it done better. And the Spirit can do that and is doing that. So the Spirit turns division into multiplied ministry. I, back up here a little. You'll notice as we go forward in Acts 
Luke does this thing where he says, Barnabas gave a bunch of money. And then later, all these other ministries happen with Barnabas. Stephen and Philip get responsibility for this food program. And, and then pretty soon, they're doing all kinds of other ministry and going other places. And he slips in this word, Nicholas of Antioch, an early convert. Pretty soon, there's a lot of converts from, from the Greeks who aren't born Jews. And even well, with Cornelius, they'll get even beyond that. But and it'll happen in Antioch. So Luke is showing that when they let go, released things, and dealt with those discontents, it blew up. It, it, it multiplied and exploded the ministry. Isn't that beautiful? And so wherever you start in ministry, don't, don't say that's oh, just that. God will probably lead you into some other ministries along the way, but, but do that. Do it with all your heart and let God lead you into the next ministries as well. And we're gifted in different ways, but we need every one of you and you online. You're not left out. You're part of us. We need you ministering out there and in here to do the ministry that needs to be done. So, Spirit turns division into multiplied ministry. They discovered needs. They noticed when something was needy. They listened. And they discovered new ministers. New servants who could do things. Especially among those discriminated against. The needs there. And the, the ministers who were there. We sometimes think that Newer people or, or, or people who are different from us don't have as much to give to us. They have more to give to us. Because it turned out, Stephen and Philip and this guy from Antioch knew better how to do the ministry that they were exploding into. Better fit and focused in ministry. We, we have people, honestly, who are doing what needs to be done. And that has to happen. But we want people to do what they're really best at, if possible. Right? And we want to multiply that ministry, if possible. And we want people to be able to focus on the ministry that they're called to and not overload a few people with doing everything. Or doing, I mean, we want square pegs in square holes and round pegs in round holes. Now, sometimes you just got to put a peg in there so it doesn't fall apart. And so this is not about, well, that's not my ministry. That's not really my calling. And I, I have this special gifting that when you develop that ministry, I'll be happy to contribute. So spiritual gifts things can be a little bit, sometimes people can be like, well, that's, that's not my gifting. So I'm not going to do anything. That's not what it's about. <laughs> you have a ministry, and as you go along, you'll find more and more you're fit into what that ministry is. And you also develop. You see, they also recognized and released and developed more ministers. They empowered them, they recognized them, they said, these are real ministers. And we're giving them the money, we're giving them the authority. And they were developed and released by the church. And then they were redeployed into new ministries and needs. We'll find Stephen doing stuff, we'll find Philip in Samaria, we'll find things happening in Antioch. Turns out the apostles stay in Jerusalem and a lot of people go other places. Good thing it wasn't all on the apostles. So 
God wants to do and is doing some great stuff among us. Every member ministers at BCF. You've heard us say that. We mean it. Every one of us has a service. Ministry sounds a little overholy, maybe. Diaconia just means service. It just means you're a slave, a servant. And, you know, you can just, you, you could just call me Servant Steve if you want to. That's all right. My ministry is to serve. And that's yours too. How? Where? God's got a place for you. And that's a great thing to be part of his great purpose. With treasure. Last time I said, give something. What did you give? I said, this week, figure out what you want to give of your treasure. What did you give? We talked about treasure. We talked about talent and time. You see, it was one thing for people to give their money so that it could be distributed, but somebody needed to have some administrative talent and take some time to make sure that that treasure got to the right places. Right? And they needed more people to make sure it got done right. We have elders, Ken Holmgren, Ludwig Pierre, Karen Underwood, and Pastor Andrew and Sarah on sabbatical myself. And a lot of our ministry is about the Word of God and prayer and, and overall leadership and vision. And we give some overall leadership and vision to how money is supposed to go and where we're, and we're um, a few of us in the budget committee with uh, myself and Craig and Cherry and Ken are trying to plan our budget and work along with the ministry coordinators. Now, I, who handles the money? The ushers do. And Liz takes it in and Cherry puts it out and Craig oversees the whole thing. And the elders don't. And I don't. I don't have a credit card. I don't have a checkbook for the church. I'm grateful that Cherry does because she sends, she writes me checks once in a while. Um, but I don't, I don't handle any money. And I'm glad because we got good people who do handle the money. And we have ministry coordinators. The ministry coordinators set the budget with some parameters from us and the budget committee of the elders and the, and the budget committee. So, but they also do the ministry. They coordinate ministry. They don't do all this ministry. They're supposed to be coordinating you all, us all, in ministry. So Julie Thompson does community life. Cheryl Nash does discipleship. Anna Williams does service. Carol Ponko does worship. And we need a new one come February because her term will be done. Eddie Wama's doing facility. Could you guys stand up, please? Those of you who are here. Um, Anna's here. Carol. Eddie. Um, Julie. Who else is here? Okay. Um, Corey Lynn's in missions. Mike Virindua just had surgery this week. And uh, you can keep praying for him. It, the surgery was successful. He had uh, some bleeding in his wounds. Keep praying for, for Mike. Um, and his six years is completed, so we need a new person in outreach. And Craig Anderson does a great job in the finance. These people are working to all together. And they're here to coordinate ministry for you. And by you to the body and beyond. Now, I want to speak specifically about if you're hungry. Hunger has doubled worldwide since the pandemic. The Minnesota Prayer Breakfast, the, the person talked about how he was trying to end this, but it says more than doubled since the pandemic worldwide. 200-some million people are hungry. But, whoops, um, in Minnesota, one in nine kids are hungry. About 10% of households. But working together, we can do something about food. 
Um, benevolence. Anna wants help. She's a ministry coordinator, but she doesn't have many people she's coordinating. So if you want to be coordinated in how to help people with their physical needs, including food, Anna, stand up. Talk to Anna. She's ready to help you. Um, and this, today we're doing the Union Gospel Mission, and we're giving today, and Felicia works there, one of us, and Marnie did, and uh, we're working together to meet this need. So they're going to distribute food for us. They know who needs it. All right? Um, my wife, Janice, works with SNAP-Ed, Supplemental Nutrition Edu Assistance Program, and there's education for that. And she's also working on trying to make sure that the people and cultures and languages that haven't been served as well are served better. So Janice and I have this thing going on ourselves. She's got a particular ministry that I am supporting, and I've got a particular ministry she's supporting. It's not that she doesn't know how to deal with the Word of God in prayer. It's that God's put her in a specific place at the University of Minnesota Extension Service that I got to support, that she gets to do out there and with all kinds of people from all kinds of community and all kinds of languages that I don't get to talk to. And lots of non-Christians that I don't get to talk to. But together we can do different things. And that's true of all of us. I don't want you to just think about your ministry here to us. Do that. Because this only runs because we do it. But also think about our ministry out there to the people around us. And in your job and in your neighborhood and in your family, do it. Bless people. And I don't have time to go through all the ways that people are blessing people. But... Um, and this is just, if you are hungry, um, hungersolutions.org, that's a phone number you can call, and you can talk to Anna. And if you want to work in other things, you can talk to Janice. And I also want to say, as we do this work, <clears throat> we are not doing it by ourselves. Bethel Christian Fellowship doesn't have to meet all the needs of the Twin Cities or the world. But we get to partner with other local churches and with organizations and with the government. So SNAP does a lot of stuff with food shelves. Guess where the food shelves are? Most of them are in churches. Um, and we get to partner with those churches, Union Gospel Mission, other people. We, we don't have to do it all. And we can argue about how and how much Union Gospel Mission should do and how much the government should do, whatever. I like paying my Social Security tax because it goes to widows and orphans and disabled people. Isn't that great? And they figure out who does it. And I'm glad that SNAP does their stuff for people and that there's rent subsidies and other things. Now, you can say, oh, I wish that the church was doing it instead of the government. Go ahead, do it. That's great. Absolutely. Um, but I want to partner with the government. We just had a call with the city council and talking about how, how many food shelves could be in churches and so forth. We want to partner with the government, with the nonprofits, with the businesses, with everybody, the education institutions. Because it's a big need. None of us can do it alone. And the church doesn't have to do it alone. We can partner with other people. We don't have to be competitors with other churches or other organizations. Amen? Isn't it great we get to work with other people? I think it's fantastic. And most of these things grew out of the church. And maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the church, but the hospitals came from the church. Education for kids came from the church. Feeding the hungry came from the church. And it's okay that other people have picked up some and we can keep partnering with them. In this situation, I want you to notice something. In Exodus and Deuteronomy, they had a way to feed the widows and orphans and take care of the poor. In Acts, they're doing it differently. 
that, get that? They're doing it differently. And today we're going to do it differently. But the point is to do it. I used to say this when I taught this in Tanzania. I'd say, how many of you have deacons in your church? And they'd say, oh, yeah, we have deacons. A lot of them you know, point to this passage, why they have deacons. They'd say, how many of you have a program to take care of the widows in your church? Then there are a lot less hands. But now there's a lot more hands because a lot of those churches, a lot of those students I taught are doing programs for widows and orphans in their churches. And so, and we get to partner with them, which is great. Um, so, do you see a need? Do you hear about a need? Is there something that has been bothering you that you say, I wish somebody would do something about that? I wish the church would do something about that. Who's the church? You are. You are. Even if you're online, you are the church. We are the church. So if you say the church should do something about it, amen. Get to work. Listen for needs. When you hear needs, don't go, oh, I don't want to hear about all that. Listen. Pay attention. Perk your ear up. When there's discontent, listen. Don't get defensive. Listen and say, and then pray about it. Because God's got all that. He's got the resources. The Holy Spirit wants to do that. Jesus wants to make things happen. So pray and, and ask him to do it. And then be ready. Ask the Spirit to enable you or enable us to meet that need. God put that need so you could pray about it, so you could think about it, so you could ask him what you could do. And maybe one of the things you could do is bring it to the leadership. Now, maybe what we might do is say, okay, how do you think we might need that? How do you think you might lead us in meeting that? Or how do you think we might help you figure out how to do it? When you see a need, it's okay. When you see a benevolence need, bring it. Bring it to Anna. Let us know what's happening. Now, I don't usually know what happens with benevolence needs because they take care of it. But bring it your own and others. And we want to have vision beyond the resources, not just like, well, I don't know if our, my, our church is just pretty small. Can't really probably do it. What can God do through us? And then take responsibility to meet it. When we say, okay, let's meet that need. We can do a lot through the Holy Spirit's power. We can do nothing effective on our own. But Jesus wants to do this, and he wants to use us, and he wants to be glorified as the acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? So would, would the worship team come on up? It's time. So you know we've been talking about it's time and, and the need to uh, put some treasure into our building, which we have covering this congregation and other congregations that are meeting with us. We know that we're creating space for, um, <clears throat> for churches in Tanzania and training in Tanzania. So that's about the treasure stuff. Somebody was saying, well, that's here and that's the far part. What about the near part? I kind of think the near part is more a time and talent issue. It's going to have some treasure in it, but it's not a big capital expense. It's mostly about somebody you know that you need to spend time with or a ministry that we need to 
invest more. And, and let's be honest, we have a lot of ministries that need a, a lot of time and talent, as well as treasure. And this pandemic has made a lot of us step back and say, well, I, you know, I don't know. Right now at the time, what we need people to step up to meet the needs, because the needs have only increased. Not only the physical needs, but the spiritual needs and the emotional needs, and we're going to talk about that next week, but it's time to step up into new needs. Every member ministers at BCF. If you're a member of this body, you have a reason to minister here or out there. God saved you. He filled you with his Holy Spirit so that you could do it. Every member is needy at BCF too. And that's okay. Let us know. Don't be ashamed of the needs you have so that we can meet those as well. With treasure, talent, and time. Maybe we need some of those. Maybe you have some of those. Some specific things that God wants to do in you. Um, and through you. So, God's message and God's word can continue to spread. And the number of believers can greatly increase. I'll talk about it some other time, but our world needs the number of believers to increase. Because we need this kind of ministry happening. We need spirit-empowered servants doing stuff in our world. And so we are grateful that God can do that. Um, let's pray. Lord, we are grateful to you for letting us be in on your purposes, for letting us channel your spirit-empowered life and joy and giving and loving to each other and to our world. And Lord, we thank you for the challenges and the threats, the discontent and the other things that help us to know where we need to be serving and ministering. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to be discouraged because there's so much need or distracted into meeting, th doing things beyond what we're supposed to or, or just worrying about things or fretting about things or angry about things. Help us to do what you call us to do. Help us to trust you and pray to you and fear you because we want to do what you want to do in our world. 